Kings chapter 10. We're going to pick up where we left off in our series, When the Newness Wears Off, When the Newness Wears Off. You know, in the first week, we showed you how when the newness wore off in Noah's life, he turned to drinking. The second week, we talked about how the sins of Israel fell into, uh, they fell into all the different things they fell into after settling in Canaan. Today we're going to look at 1 Kings 10 and 11, 1 Kings 10 and a little bit into chapter 11, uh, pulling out one key word from each portion of the scripture that characterizes the things that lead to the wisest man on earth, Solomon, uh, his downfall spiritually when the newness wore off in his life. So we're going to look at 1 Kings 10. Are you there? Let's pray. Father, bless now in your word. We ask and pray that you would just uh, move these principles deep into our heart. And may we always have a, a warm heart toward you and never allow the newness to wear off in our lives. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we need to be careful when people applaud or think too highly of us. A key word that we're going to see in the first few verses we'll read, 1 through 13, is the word fame. The word fame. And so we'll see that actually in verse 1. Here we see, we pick the story up. Here, uh, Solomon was greatly admired by the Queen of Sheba, verse 1. And when the Queen of Sheba heard the, there's our word, the fame, you see that? The fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train and camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, the meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, that's their clothing, and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it is a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, a half was not told me. Thy wisdom and thy prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in, in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice, and she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these, which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And the navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir brought in from Ophir great plenty of almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almug trees pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, harps and also psalteries for singers. There came no such almug trees, nor were seen unto this day. And the King Solomon, and King Solomon gave unto the Queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went her own, uh, to her own country, she and her servants. I want you to look also at verse 24, verse 24 in this context. And it says, And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. You know, there's great danger um, in fame. You know, fame has two sides. Fame seems to be one of the things that many people want to pursue in life. 
But we have to be prepared for the pitfalls that make fame difficult to handle, like a loss of privacy. You have identity crisis you're dealing with, high expectations that you may not be able to meet. Fame means being more prone to judgments and criticisms. It comes with the territory. Uh, it cannot be easy to know who your true friends are, really, when you're famous. Then there's mental health challenges that are associated with it. You know, unchecked and unrecognized, all of these things can lead to our downfall. Just like Lucifer's pride uh, sealed his fate, many popular entertainers struggle with fame and they commit suicide. Others turn to drugs and alcohol to cope. Uh, others become reclusive. You know, there, there's nothing uglier than a popular person who knows they're popular. <laughs> but there's nothing more beautiful than one who doesn't. You know, I think of people you may not have considered before, but um, just one comes to my mind every time I think about this. And um, Hershey, I'm not familiar, I can't remember what his first name was, but the founder of the Hershey Company. There was a Christian, he was a Christian, uh, a very devoted Christian man. And he poured his life into a business that helped his people. He wanted to help people succeed so much so he built houses for them. Um, he, he just was a, a very great philanthropist in and, uh, and many, 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 many ways. And God has honored that country. We've all had a Hershey bar, I'm sure. I, we got some in our refrigerator or in our pantry right now, I'm sure. But we've all had a Hershey chocolate bar. And that company exists and has built a beautiful park there, uh, like a theme park there. And the whole city is named after him and so forth and so on. So all that recognition is from a man who gave himself back to his community for what God's goodness gave to him. He didn't get caught up in the fame. And there are many, many other people like that that, I, that, that come to my mind that uh, they just, they, they, they seem like the more they make, the more they give. That in fact, there's some, if you kind of study philanthropy a little bit, that would actually make sure they wound up when they died with zero. They made their businesses successful and they wrote in their wills that when it was all over with, everything they had would be given away. They died with zero. They died with nothing. There are, there are several philanthropists like that, billionaires, who gave their whole uh, life's uh, uh, work away. They just didn't want to die with money that they, didn't, they couldn't use or somebody else would corrupt. And so they would give and, and so forth and so on. And so I thank God for people like that. You know, you know unchecked and unrecognized, though, um, these things can lead to our downfall. Fame can become an addiction and it can become uh, it, it, the, the attention and the praise that goes along with it. You know, fame can also be a tool, though, to bless others, as I just mentioned. So there's a there's a neat little verse uh, tucked away in Hebrews. I have to throw up here on a slide for you here. But I love this verse and what it means. It, it, it's here in this context, speaking of how Abraham, as great as he was, still recognize Melchizedek, <clears throat> a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, actually, um, as better than he. So we pick it up here, Hebrews 7, 7. The Bible says, without all contradiction, the less, that's Abraham, is blessed by the better, that's Melchizedek. Okay? So we all have Melchizedeks in our lives. There's always somebody better than we are. 
as highly esteemed as we might be on our jobs, somebody else is going to come in and do stuff 10 times better than you. Uh, they're going to have better ideas than you. They're going to have a, high, a, 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 a stronger work ethic. They're going to be able to do things that you couldn't. And you have to be okay with that. David was okay that Solomon was better than him in, in many of those regards. But David was settled and secure in himself and who he was. He didn't have an identity crisis. Amen? And so without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So when we look at our fame as a tool, we use it then to be a blessing to other people and never be a burden. When, when we have accolades that are given to us, then we need to just throw them all right back up in praise to the Lord and say, Lord, how can you use me because of any abilities that I have to bless people today? That should be our attitude, no matter how famous or infamous, that not infamous, you don't want to be infamous, but you know what I mean. Uh, but we should always have that spirit of, thank you, Lord, but you know, this is all you. Uh, this is not me. So whatever you give me, I want to return back to you and back to others. Amen. So be careful um, just as, as you get too famous. Number two, you, you need to be careful when you begin to prosper. The key word that we're going to see here is exceeded all, exceeded all. So we saw fame was our first word. Let's pick it up now in verse 14 of our text. First Kings chapter 10, verse 14. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score talents of gold beside that that he had of the merchantmen and of the traffic of the spice merchants and of the kings of Arabia and of the governors of the country. And King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold went to one target and he made 300 shields of beaten gold, three pound of gold went into one shield. That's a heavy shield. <laughs> and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. And the throne had six steps and the top of the throne was round behind and there were stays on either side of the place of the seat. And two lions stood beside the stays. These would have been like um, just carved lions. And the 12 lions that stood there on one side, on the other six steps. So there was total of 14, six on the steps and then two on either side of the throne, right? And so, uh, so, so, so it goes on to say, and so these 12 lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. And all the King Solomon's drinking vessels, this, this, this is where it just gets off of the top. All of them were of gold. The vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. That's a bad dude. I mean, he didn't have no silver cups. The man only had gold in his repertoire, right? It, it was nothing accounted of in the days of Solomon. For the king had at sea a navy of Tarshish with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came that navy of, of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory, and apes and peacocks. He was really into animals, especially exotic animals. So King Solomon exceeded, there's our word, exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. So we saw his fame. Now we see him exceeding all. You know, the flavor of this section shows Solomon now in a frenzy to keep up appearances. He's brought, he's brought in gold and spices and ivory, exotic animals and so forth. Uh, he builds himself a decadent elevated throne, elevated with the best overlaid, I should say, with the best gold and ivory. And he's having these two lion statues on either side of the throne now. And then another 12 lions, two on each step on either side of these six steps that's going up. That's pretty, pretty ornate, isn't it? Um, and so Solomon's drinking vessels were all pure gold. And so no other kingdom has ever been so lavish. 
And that brings us to our second key word here uh, of the fact that he exceeded all before and after him. So we've seen, and we're just following the text. I'm not going to really make a lot of comments on the text because it's very narrative. It's explaining itself. And we'll make a few comments as we go. But, but we've seen the fame in that uh, he was greatly admired by uh, Queen of Sheba. And, you know, you need to be careful when people applaud you or think too highly of you. We've seen also that we need to be careful when you begin to prosper. Number three, we need to be careful when we become wealthy. God allows some of us to, uh, you know, enjoy the privilege of some money. There's a lot of money that, that flows through a city like Las Vegas. There are people, it's nothing for somebody to make six figures here. Um, you know, my kids, I tell them, everybody, I tell everybody, my kids all make more than me. And so they're doing well right out of college and hit big time jobs and whatever have you. Uh, my son will probably be buying a house in the next year or two. They're doing well for themselves. God has honored them. And, uh, you know, they went to Christian college. They've given themselves to Christ and to his service. And God has honored that. He has blessed them. Uh, they work in Christian environments and thank the Lord for that. Those Christian environments pay them well. Uh, they have benefits and the whole bit. And so I thank God for that. And, and I'm thankful that they work at, a, at, at places where I have friends. And uh, pastors there are my friends. Pastors there supported our ministry also. So it kind of goes around and around and around, doesn't it? It's amazing in God's kingdom how uh, the blessings of God uh, just kind of stay in the family. God keeps those blessings within the family. And so we thank God for that. And so so, uh, so when, when you become wealthy, the key word here we'll see in verse 27 is abundance, abundance, but let's pick it up in verse 25. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver, vessels of gold and garments and armor and spices and horses and mules a rate year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a, a, a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen whom he bestowed uh, <clears throat> in the cities for chariots and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver to be, and look at this, he made silver to be like stones. Now, if you can relate to this, if you live in Las Vegas, we're a very uh, much, what they call it, um, uh, rockscape, rockyscape, you know, in the East Coast, people have greenscape, you know, it's a lot of, you know, trees and shrubbery and grass. Here, most houses, in fact, now, because of the water shortage, almost have to be built with mostly rockyscapes and, and so forth. So you can imagine, if you look out in your yard, all them stones, imagine if that was all silver. <laughs> That's amazing. So silver would be just like stones. Cedars would be made as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought in from out of Egypt and linen yarn. The king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price. Um, and a chariot came up and went out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. So all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria did bring them out of their means. So continually feeding his addiction to luxury, Solomon continues multiplying gold and silver, armor, spices, horses, mules, chariots, horsemen, and luxurious linen yarn. Um, you know, linen is an expensive luxury fabric that has been prized for its beauty and for its durability for centuries. It's made from the fibers of the flax plant and because the flax plant only, you can only harvest it and get that material out of it for the yarn certain times of year, it makes it more expensive. You can't just like go shear a sheep. You gotta wait until this is like ready to harvest and so forth. And so, uh, and it's prized for its strength, for its absorbency and its lustrous uh, appearance. People who wore linen generally were wealthy people. 
uh, in this day. So that all led to an overwhelming abundance, and that's our key word in our third section here, abundance. So moving right on in then to chapter 11, we'll move right on into chapter 11. Um, we need to be careful when we become, uh, you know, when, when people are, 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 say great things about us and when we have these accolades, um, when we become wealthy and uh, when uh, all of these different things that we talked about happen, when you begin to prosper. But then fourthly, I want you to see when you become old and complacent, when you become old, now we're going to fast forward his life a little bit. And I want you to see the key word that we're going to look at is turned away, turned away. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in disobedience now, in love. Do you see that? And he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, girlfriends, if you will. And his wives turned away, there's that word, his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, right? Come on now, huh? Huh? I might be old, my pastor, my, my pastor used to say, but I ain't dead, huh? Right? So he still likes some woman. And his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Uh, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David, his father. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Some of these gods, as I mentioned in a former message, would be actually, children would be sacrificed to the arms of these gods. Uh, a heated, like bronze statue would be heated to super, super hot temperatures and babies would be just laid in the arms of this metal statue and just fry uh, and in the name of their false god. And that's what we're talking about here. And likewise, did he for all of his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon. Wouldn't you be? Because his heart, here's our word again, was turned from the Lord God of Israel. You better be careful, okay? When you get too old, sometimes you might feel like you timed out for God. God ain't changing. You might be changing, but he ain't changing. Okay, so you better change with him, amen? Which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should, go after, uh, he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. We find this under Rehoboam and Jeroboam and when the kingdom splits, but that's a whole nother story. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David, thy servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. You know, the slippery slope of Solomon's fame and abundance, excelling all before and after him, finally led to his downfall spiritually. See, when the newness wears off, 
we turn to more worldliness to fill the vacuum that we've created. Luxury alone enough now isn't enough anymore. We feel that we've outgrown God and church, so we turn away, that's our key word, to the dark side many times. Solomon went about as far down as he could have gone up. About as far as he went up, he went down, I should say. These closing verses that I'm going to hear have on the screen for you in Second Peter in a minute show the difference in those of us trapped by the things of the world and those of us who use them as tools to bless other ones. Look at these couple of verses here, and then I'll be done shortly. Second Peter chapter 2, 19 and 20 through 22. For of whom a man is overcome, the Bible says, of the same as he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again, notice that, entangled therein. You just came out the world, came into church, and now you're back in the world? Something wrong with that picture. And, and you overcome, your latter end is worse than the beginning. For if better for you to not have known the way of righteousness, than after you've known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them, but it has happened According to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the pot pig or the sow that was washed, you know, they'd just love to go right on back into that, into that mire, into that mud hole again, right? The Bible says, mark the perfect man, though. This is the other side of the coin. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. The end of that man is peace. So you can choose which of these ways that you go, but a lot of us are, are boasting some gray hairs now. A lot of us are boasting some age. A lot of us are in the 50, maybe 60 and above club. And this is a time for us now uh, more than ever to realize the influence that we can have on a younger generation, um, a generation who does not have the wisdom. They think they do, but they don't have the wisdom that we do. And we can't let them outlive us. I don't mean outlive us numerically. They can't, they don't, they, they should not be living uh, better than we are uh, spiritually. Uh, it, we got too many years in the game. Amen. We got too much skin in the game. And so we can't afford to forget God, to grow weary of God in church, or to get complacent on God. Amen. Can we give God some praise? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful, Lord, that you've helped us, Father, today to see some truths from your word. We pray and ask, Lord, that you would help us, Father, to live a life that would glorify you and to honor you. Uh, Lord, in the, in the latter years of our lives, uh, some of us are, are, are growing older and, and moving into senior, and we just ask and pray that you would help us to live lives that would glorify you, that would please you, that we'd never tire of you, never grow weary of you. And for that, we'll be more than thankful. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week.